0: Welcome to the Shift HR Radio download, where our mission is to serve as a valuable resource for HR professionals, business leaders, and anyone looking for information that's going to empower you to make positive and meaningful impacts in your workplace. My name is Karen Byington, and I'll be your host today. So, one topic we come back to often on our podcast is unconscious bias in the workplace. And in previous episodes, we've touched on the fact that unconscious biases can have a real impact in recruiting and hiring process, and it's really a significant issue because most business experts would agree that the single most important factor in an organization's success is human capital or their talent. So in his book, Top Grading, Bradford Smart says that companies that figure out how to hire high performers will always win. But most companies are pretty poor at picking talent. And research even shows that only about 25% of new hires turn out to be high performers. So today, we'd like to focus specifically on how unconscious bias can impact your recruiting and hiring practices. And even more specifically, we want to give you, our listeners, some practical advice and some strategies so you can implement to ensure that your hiring practices are free from bias and that you have the tools to really recruit top performers. And so I'm actually very lucky to have with me today Rachel Friedberg. She has over 20 years of experience as an HR and organizational development professional. And she's the director of HR for Nook Freeman and Sarah. And she also consults with companies on implementing uh, Bradford Smart's top grading methodologies so that um, their clients can find the best talent. So, right, Rachel, welcome to the podcast today.
1: Thanks, Karen. I'm pleased to be here.
0: So, as I mentioned, we talked a lot about unconscious bias in the workplace, and today we want to focus on how that unconscious bias is impacted in the hiring process. And so, Rachel, can you just point out some of the ways in which unconscious bias can impact recruiting and hiring?
1: Sure. Many of us uh, have been in the situation where we're looking at resumes or we're meeting candidates for the first time, and we may feel that... We have a connection to that because we grew up in the same town or we went to the same college. There's something that may trigger us to feel a bond to that person. And that's one example of how unconscious bias can affect you in hiring. Um, other examples I've seen are biases based on names on resumes and confirmation bias, which is assuming a certain degree or pedigree will ensure success.
0: Yeah, so there's there's a lot of research and studies that show how these biases result in some really interesting um, workplace statistics one that always sticks out in my mind is that less than four percent of American men are over six foot two and yet when you look at corporate CEOs 36 percent are over six foot two and 58 percent of fortune 500 CEOs are over six feet tall so these biases don't just relate to race or gender they really are a broad spectrum of how we assume people um, are going to be based on a variety of factors.
1: That's true, Karen. There are many studies that show that in a male versus female job applicant base, a, a John was rated as much more competent than a Jennifer and was therefore offered a higher starting salary, even though they had the same experience and qualifications. Similar studies have shown discrepancies in the number of callbacks received from resumes with white sounding name versus black sounding names. So again, that goes back to the bias we mentioned earlier Um, when you're looking at names on resumes.
0: Yeah, and these are never intentional. It's just things that come up, and when you look at them and do the research, you see that they really are impacting who we're hiring. So getting past these biases is really what's going to open up companies to that larger pool of talent that they may have been overlooking. Although it was unintentional, they're kind of shrinking their, their pool of talent.
1: Exactly. Companies need to be sure that they're open to and successful at recruiting top talent
0: from the largest pool possible. So what are some steps that organizations can take to try and eliminate some of these biases from influencing their hiring practices?
1: There are a lot of things that companies can do, but some basic easy hits are having some structured job interviews, searching for candidates outside of your typical networks. So That could be um, also looking at colleges with more diverse populations versus an all Ivy League population, for example. And then some companies have implemented blind resume screening where they actually hide the names on the resumes to block any unconscious bias that might be occurring.
0: Interesting. Um, So when we mentioned Bradford Smart's top grading methodology um, as a successful process for finding top talents, um, I know you've been especially impressed with how the process itself helps eliminate bias from affecting hiring decisions. So how does that work? How does top grading work to eliminate bias?
1: Sure. Research has proven that top grading has improved hiring successes from 26% to 85% in the companies that use it. That is a
0: huge, that huge... That is really a huge change. Yeah. yeah.
1: So the, the number is in... The proof is in the pudding there. Um, the research has also proven that top grading has helped to double retention rates, increased job satisfaction, and increased the performance level in the companies that have used top grading. So what top grading does is it provides you with a holistic approach to hiring and to staffing. It assists you in being much more strategic in your interview process. And this helps you to hire the right people rather than rushing and and hiring the wrong people for a role that might not be the best fit. Um, it also focuses on finding the type of candidate that can be successful in your organization overall for the long term rather than just in one immediate need for the short term. The process has been successfully used for all levels including CEOs throughout
0: the world. Right. So down from your most basic hire through, you know, hiring for those top executive board, you know, positions. Yes. Works in all levels. Exactly. So I know the book, and I've gone through it, and it's over 300 pages long, um, and we try and keep our podcast here to about 20 minutes or so. So I was wondering if maybe you could give us some takeaways or some really important um, pieces of the process that might be helpful to our listeners to kind of get a sense of how, you know, how they can use these top grading methods. Sure. So
1: the most important thing to know about top grading is that it's a strategy for recruiting versus a tactic. It really forces you to take a step back and think about the position you're filling before looking at candidates. I've oftentimes been in the position where I'm recruiting based on job title alone, and as I meet candidates, I realize they're lacking certain skills that we really need for the position. So it saves a lot of time in the long run if you nail down the specifics of what you need for the position up front and ensure that all of your key stakeholders are in agreement. So, top grading is going to help you to be crystal clear about what you really want the person you hire to accomplish. You're going to focus on selecting only A players, and by that, we mean the best candidate for the job, but also for the company long term. So too often, I you know, I have found that employers rush to hire a candidate because someone's resigned and the instant reaction is that you need to fill the position as soon as possible. In this situation, employers are thinking only about the current workload and the empty seat that must be filled. But that's not an effective approach in the long term. So, again, top grading is going to force you to pull back, and it's going to provide a systematic and unified approach to hiring.
0: Got it. So you're saying put the time in on the front end and really kind of sit back and examine what it is you really need as opposed to just a knee-jerk reaction to filling a position right away because you know that you can't do without a body. Exactly,
1: exactly. Right. It's, it's definitely a little bit more work up front, especially for the HR professionals, but um, it really helps having an organized process and a strategic approach and it's going to save you so much time on the back end because you're going to have the right fit. So you're not going to be wasting time training people who are not the right fit for your company or for the job.
0: Right. I mean, if looking at those statistics, if you have almost now, by using the right process and doing it in the right way, an 85% chance of getting a really high performer, that time is really well worth it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So...
1: Um, So it really, in addition to what we're saying, top grading enables employers to decrease unconscious bias, which often can slip into the hiring process because you're having a much more strategic approach. So the methodology of top grading starts with creating a scorecard for the open position, and the scorecard is going to describe the mission for the position, the outcomes that must be accomplished by the candidate, and the competencies that fit with both the culture of the employer and the role. Specifically, the difference between a scorecard and a job description is that the scorecard shows what successful look like and it's measurable, rather than focusing on what skills the individual has and what they will be doing in the job. And the scorecard is really going to be the foundation for the hiring process. Employers can always go back to it and reassess as they're deciding on candidates to ensure You're adhering to your original intention. And I've been in the situation before where we're down to our two final candidates for hiring an attorney. And six of us in our gut could think, wow, you know, candidate A feels like the right person. But then when we go back and we assess against the job description, we find actually candidate B has more of the skills and experience that we need, even though we may have felt. More uh, comfortable or more chit chatty with candidate A, that doesn't mean they're the, they're the right candidate,
0: right? And that gets back to that um, that affinity bias, or that feeling of making sure that you're not hiring based on you know a feeling of comfort, because then you end up hiring the same people exactly. over and over. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So after the
1: employers create the scorecard, the focus turns to strategically preparing for the selection process. And this is another thing I love about top grading, is that it uses four types of interviews, and the interviews are designed to build on each other. And the philosophy is that, collectively, these interviews provide the facts that the employer needs to rate a person against the scorecard and for the role, as well as against other candidates for the position. So you're going to look at these four different types of interviews and formulate very specific strategic questions for each round of interview top grading enables employers to gather the kind of information which, when used together, is going to provide a very effective and, again, strategic and unbiased approach to hiring. So while there's definitely more work to be done up front, the approach saves a lot of time and money on the back end and over time because there's significantly greater chance of hiring the right person for the job or the company. And uh, the way that that I've implemented it at Nucfremid and Sarah and with our clients is that I actually create the scorecard and all the interview questions up front. So the hiring folks and the people who are involved in the interviewing process love it. They actually show up to the interview with a list of questions that they're expected to do so that it really saves them time in the process. They don't need to spend their time coming up with questions and... Um, So they can use these formulated questions, which not only helps them and saves them time, but it, again, ensures that you're being consistent in your interview process.
0: Right. So that you you know that when you go into each interview with multiple candidates, you're asking the same question and comparing more apples to apples as opposed to, you know, having a totally different conversation with one candidate because the conversation goes off exactly. in a direction you're not intending.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And the and the, the types of interviews are very interesting. So you'll you'll have your typical screening interview, which really my biggest takeaway from top grading's approach to that is to do it on the phone, Mm -hmm. and to ask versus tell. And ask versus tell is is a big uh, mantra through top grading because you don't want to lead the candidate's responses. You want to ask, 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 and get their input before you tell them anything about the company or the position, and they end up tailoring their responses to say what they think you might want to hear.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: So that's the screening interview. Um, The WHO interview goes through each prior job that the candidate has had and it goes through it in a lot of detail. So the goal is that you get a really full complete picture of their experience and their skill set. And then after that you go to the focused interview which is similar to a behavioral based interview but you're tying the questions back to the scorecard and the competencies that you've selected as being critical to the position and the company. Um, And then you go back Uh, the fourth step would be a reference interview.
0: Okay, great. And I know that there's some question around in um, top grading. He talks about making sure you have the right culture fit, which is kind of um, a funny topic when it comes to unconscious bias because that's definitely one area where they're afraid that it might be – holding some candidates back because you can't imagine them in a position because they look different or they're from somewhere different. And so really, I think um, when I was talking to you previously and talking to Catherine, we had talked about instead of a culture fit, it's sort of um, that they know that they, this is a candidate that's going to meet the same goals of culture that the company has, right?
1: Yes. Yep. That's exactly right. And it, you know, it it really It really helps you, you know, if you're in an organization that has certain competencies that are critical to the organization or core values or a mission, you can work hypothetical scenarios into your interview questions, which address the core values and the competencies that are most important to the organization, just to see that um, it's a similar mindset in terms of how you would approach different scenarios.
0: That's great. Well, Rachel, this is so informative. I really appreciate you being here and giving us so much detail. And listeners, I want to make sure that you know that you can get some information from Rachel, and you're welcome to reach out to her. Um, Rachel, what's the best way for our listeners to reach out to you if they want more specific details on um, getting some coaching on top grading? Sure.
1: The best way to reach me is through my email, um, through the Nook Freeman and Sarah website. You can find that, or it's rfriedberg at legal.com
0: Okay. And listeners, as always, we really appreciate your time. You can always find more information about um, Shift, and um, we can get you the information and contact for Rachel at GetShiftHR.com or 800-790-5030. Thanks so much, and we'll talk again soon. Mm-hmm.